don't you find your seats and let's get our Bibles. We want to open up our Bibles together, some of the best words we hear all week. Let's open our Bibles together. And why don't you go with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we want you to have a copy of the Bible with you. So uh, our ushers are coming around. You can just grab their attention. We want you to be able to have one. um, Or you can follow along with us on uh, the Bible app. You can follow along with the Scripture. Take notes if you would like. We want you to be there. 1 Peter chapter 3. i got to tell you, um, I've missed this post right here. I've missed being here. Uh, Even just like one week. This is uh, incredible. What an awesome privilege it is to bring God's Word. They were telling me, uh, this morning that I needed to like make a grand entrance down the stairs and I said not without a fog machine so we're going to check with Christy to see if that's in our budget um, likely not uh, we, we can check now is that cool Christy no like probably not all right first Peter chapter three uh, here's what we're talking about today doing good on defense now some of you sports fanatics will probably recognize this famous quote from the great coach uh, Paul Bear Bryant, uh, he said this, see if you recognize this, offense sells tickets, but defense, you know it? Man, that's awesome. Defense wins championships. Now, you can debate the analytics of that and the stats and see if that's actually true all the time, but the point is really clear. You got to learn to play defense because if you're in it to win it, count on it, somebody is going to be trying to stop you. Somebody's going to be trying to beat you. So, Uh, Go Beyond. Go Beyond is our opportunity uh, this month. We do this every year where we're trying to get out and do good in our community. Count on it. Not everybody's going to understand why we're doing this. And not everybody's going to be happy about it. Which means we have an awesome opportunity to share and to defend the gospel. The question is, what are you going to do when, you are, when, when you're doing good, when you're trying to uh, live and share the love of Christ in our community, but you come under scrutiny or you are even attacked for it? Uh, if, if you are doing good, questions and maybe even accusations are going to come. Because people have uh, misunderstandings, they don't get it, they don't understand why we're doing this. There might be a clash of uh, of values, they don't agree with us, they don't like what we're doing, or or maybe just people are curious, they're intrigued, they want to know why. So the question is, are you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, you ready? Come on, turn to your neighbor. You ready? Are you ready to play on defense? Well, here's a big idea this morning. If you're taking notes, uh, this might be helpful for you in this text. Note this. When you are questioned or attacked for doing good, don't defend yourself. Defend the gospel. Can I show that to you? 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to be starting in verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13. He says this. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Father, I pray that you would speak to us even now. I pray that uh, we would be submissive to your word. And uh, Lord, we've loved getting after, go beyond, and, and serving in our community. And, and we want to do that, not for us, not so that we can uh, lift our banner, but that we can lift the banner of Jesus so that people might ask us why and that we could be bold witnesses that are willing to share that. But Lord, we're just aware that uh, not everybody is going to like it. Not everybody wants us to share this. So I pray that you would encourage our hearts now, that we might trust in your sovereignty, we might be convinced that you really are the only king, the only savior, and that we would be bold witnesses for you. Lord, I pray that you get the glory in all of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so if you're going to play defense, um, we're going to have to learn the fundamentals, all right? Uh, so I've got just two uh, fundamentals for doing good on defense. Here's one if you're taking notes. Note this. Don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. That's what he's saying, verse 13. He says, now, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? He's saying this. Generally, most people are going to be okay with us trying to do good. Most people are thankful when, when, when we're trying to help other people, when we're showing kindness, when, when, when we're doing something that's going to be beneficial to somebody else. Most people are going to have a, a positive reaction to that. Right? I mean, we, we just think about two weeks ago. We were doing our outdoor service, and we're out there picking up trash. Most people were okay with us doing that. Now, I realize there were a few business owners that were, you know, a little freaked out about liability. We were on their property, and yet most people, my, my, my youngest daughter, JC, and I were walking up and down the sidewalk, and she's helping me hold the trash bag, and I know she's super cute, so that helps, but I've got one of those vests on, so it's pretty obvious what we're doing. A lot of people were, like, smiling at us as they're walking by. In fact, one couple even, like, said verbally out loud, thank you for what you're doing. Most people, my, 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 that's not why we're doing it. We're not doing it so that we'll get the thanks. But my point is that generally, most people are not going to try to attack you or make your life miserable when they know that you're trying to do good for somebody else, right? They're certainly happier when you're trying to help than if you were trying to hurt by committing obvious crimes. They're happier about the fact that we're picking up trash as opposed to if they saw us taking bags of trash and just going around and dumping them in people's yards. Somebody would have something to say about that, right? What he's trying to say is this. If, you're, if you are living out the love of Christ, you're tangibly seeking the welfare of your city, you're kind of at a low risk for being arrested or being uh, mistreated in any way. That's just kind of common sense. But it's not an absolute principle, which is why he says in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake. You see, Peter knows that, the, that some of these believers that he's writing to have already and or will soon face persecution for following Jesus. And it's not because they're bad guys that deserve it. It's because the world views them as bad guys. You know that sometimes we are going to be viewed as bad guys to the world. Why? Because we live in a sinful world. And they, 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 there are enemies of God who will want to hurt us, who will want to make us suffer. 
I mean, just think about the fact that, that we're living in a world that is in rebellion against the rule of God. They don't want to submit to him. They don't trust his character. They don't think that he's good. They don't think he's worth following, and they reject what he stands for. And so don't be surprised then if you are standing for and even promoting the values of that kingdom when some people hate you for that, and they come out to fight you. Now, like, I, I realize that most of us, it, it doesn't make sense to us. And there's a reason it doesn't make sense. Uh, God actually helps us understand this a little bit. I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. I've got this one for you here on the screen. He's giving woes to people that are committing evil. Here's what he says. Woe to those who call evil good. Think about that. And they call good evil. See, there are some people that are so blind to the truth that they get this all backwards. They get to the point where, where, where they start celebrating things that are evil, that are not God's design, that are not good. They start calling evil good. And then at the same time, they condemn what is good. And they stand against God's character and his best design for his creation. I'm just telling you, if you live in that climate, you might suffer for righteousness' sake. But let's be honest, um, for us, persecution um, seems kind of foreign, right? We don't really live under threat of being arrested and being beaten and tortured or even killed. And I, uh, we certainly don't face the kind of persecution that some of our brothers and sisters face on a regular basis around the world. And I don't want for a minute to belittle that. But I do think that we are starting to sense the tension of clashing values rising to the point in our culture where we could see how Christians would be viewed as a cultural enemy by some people if we're not there already to some degree, right? Do you feel that? Maybe you felt this. Maybe you would sense as an example that if we are going to faithfully and humbly seek to live out and promote biblical sexual ethics, if we're going to stand and say what God says about his design for our sexuality, then we are decidedly swimming against the cultural current. You feel that? So, And, and sometimes it doesn't matter um, even if we're trying to be wise in who we say it to and when something needs to be said and when we do say something, trying to say it in a gentle and loving way, just believing it and saying it could get us into hot water. Do you sense that? Okay, so I, I'm giving you that because I want you then to be honest. Can you just imagine then that as you stand for good, there may be some people that are not happy about that. There, there may be some people that want to see us suffer for that. Peter's assumption is that suffering is possible and, and probably even likely. And so here should be our response. How, how do we respond? What, what does he say? Verse 14. Here's what he says. Here's the command. Have no fear of them. Do not be troubled. Do not live in fear. You don't have to live in fear. Why don't you think about what happens when we live in fear? What's our natural response to fear? It's either fight or, anybody know? Like, 
Okay, so I'm going to demonstrate this. I thought maybe if I could demonstrate this phenomenon uh, by bringing a spider and, and, and like we have in here. And uh, this, like if you, if you are really afraid of something, then you might feel the need to fight or kind of flight. And, and no, I'm just kidding. There's nothing in there. I didn't, at least I don't think there was anything in there. So like that was perfect illustration, by the way. I love you, Rosie. I'm, I'm sorry for scaring you. I just don't, don't want to do that. Do you, do you sense that? Like, that's the feeling that we get whenever we feel fear. It's like, I'm ready. I shouldn't have done that with Nick. Nick looks like he could beat the mess out of me. I probably shouldn't have done that. That was not a wise move. Sometimes you feel the need to, like, kill it or run. Like, that's the idea of fear. And so I just want you to notice something about this text. Look, look there's something noticeably missing in Peter's command here. He knows that, hey, they're coming for us. But look at what he doesn't say. There's no call to rise up and fight or defend yourself. Did you notice that? What he's not saying is, all right, church, they're coming for our soul. Like, strap on your sword. Let's form ranks. Let's make them pay for messing with us. That's not what he says. See, when someone attacks us, when somebody doesn't like us, then we often go into defense mode, right? All right, nobody's awake this morning, so we're going to help you out with this. Uh, here's what I want you to do. Everybody raise your hand right here. Everybody raise your hand. Now, I want you to make a fist, all right? Make a fist, and I want you to turn and look at your neighbor right now with that fist, and I want you to give, don't punch them, okay? We cannot start any fights. I don't think our insurance will cover that. Uh, so so I, I just want you to mean mug them, all right? Go ahead and look at them. Just make it look like you. Some of you are so uncomfortable with this right now, and, and others of you, even though you know, or at least you think you know, that your neighbor's not going to punch you in the face, you still feel this like need to flinch and, and defend and, and brace yourself, right? You feel that? Others of you are, are like, bring it on. Like, you touch me, I'm going to break your face. Like, you're just ready to fight, all right? So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We live in a world that wants to hurt us. But if we give in to fear and we just try to defend ourselves, it's like climbing into a bunker on a battlefield where we're, we're either just trying to run away and, and keep people out that we don't like, that we're not comfortable with, that we're scared of, or we climb down into the bunker and make sure that we're locked and loaded, right? That we stockpile some snarky memes and social media posts that we can just lob out at people like explosives and blow them up because we don't like them. Why? Because they're the enemy, What does Jesus say to do with enemies? Do you know this? You've heard this before. I'm pretty confident you've heard this one before. Let, let's look at it. Matthew chapter 5. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5. I've got it for you here on the screen. Verse 43. Here's what he says. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, why have you heard that? Why have you heard that? Because everybody thinks that. Like if somebody hates you, get ready to fight them. They're the enemy. But I say to you, Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So, do you see the people who obviously don't love God as people whom God loves? Or do you tend to just see them as the enemy, as a threat? God is not honored by those of us who claim to love Christ but don't love others. 
When, when we shelter ourselves in defensive bunkers against the world out of fear and we hate those people that don't hold to the same values as us. And so if you just keep getting angry on social media or every time you look at the news or if you just try to keep distance from people, I don't want to be with those people. I don't want to be near them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Instead of being moved to compassion and doing something good for them, then you are missing the gospel. Get out of the bunker. Have no fear of them. You're not called to fight them. And fear should not keep us from engaging our community with love and service and good deeds, even if it will cost us. Our lives don't need to fall apart in fear at the threat of suffering. Why? Why? What did he just say, verse 14? Because even if, you see it? Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be what? Come on, say it. You will be? You'll be blessed. Is that not what Jesus said? Matthew chapter 5, same, same sermon. Here's what he said. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You believe that? Then why be afraid of suffering? You see, if we allow the world to silence us out of fear, panicking like the sky is falling every time the courts or some big corporation comes along and takes another swing at one of our Christian values, or if we're freaking out and just trying to protect our little bubble or drawing battle lines against unbelievers as though they're the enemy out of fear and anger and hatred, then we are missing out on an opportunity to be bold witnesses for Christ and experience his blessing. Get out of the bunker and get out there and do good. What he's trying to tell you is most of the time, you're going to be okay. But even if you do suffer, you will be blessed. So don't live in fear. You also once were an enemy of God. You were deserving of his wrath and his judgment. But God rescued you. And Jesus paid for your sins so that now you don't experience the wrath of God. You experience his blessing. Do you want to see other sinners come to know Christ and be saved by his grace too? Do you want that? Man, I just want us to be a church that is so on mission that we stop just praying for our own safety and protection and we start praying that the lost would come to Christ and that God would even use us even if it would cost us our lives for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. What can they really take from us? So would we be willing to give it all, not to fight them, but that all might know that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He says, in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. You see, the reason we don't have to freak out or live in fear or, or be troubled is that Christ is the Lord. He is sovereign. He's in control. He's got this. And the gospel gives me the assurance and confidence that God is going to be faithful to his promises. We hold on to those. He is sovereign and he's holy. And so we strive to be holy as he is holy and submit to him knowing that we want to fear him, not anybody else. Don't live in fear. Let me give you the 
second fundamental for doing good on defense, if you're taking notes. Defend the gospel. Defend the gospel. Here's what he says, verse 15. Um, Always being prepared to make a defense. So we're playing defense, playing defense, but what are we defending? Look at it. What, what, What are we defending? Notice, not ourselves. It's not what we're, we don't need to. What are we defending? We defend the hope of the gospel. He says the reason for the hope that is in you. What he's saying, that, that, that phrase there, make a defense, is the, the word in the Greek, apologia, where we get our word apology or an apologist. It means to, to give an answer or to make a verbal defense against an accusation. It's kind of like a defendant that's standing before a judge. Because here's the deal, when you are uh, uh, zealous for what is good, and when you are honoring Christ the Lord as holy in your heart, people will notice, and they may not be happy about it, and they won't understand. So, be prepared when they ask you, why? You ready with an answer? Like, why do you live this way? How can you have hope? Practically what he's saying is you need to be ready to open your mouth and talk about Jesus. To tell people how he's changed your life. To tell them what the Bible says and why they need to believe in him too. Hey, are we ready to do that? Do you know that like when when we're engaging with people that don't understand, we may have to correct some misconceptions that they might have about Jesus and his church because they don't know. You know, they, they, they've never been set foot in a church before, or maybe it's been a super long time and they had a really bad experience, or they've heard rumors they don't know. We may have to correct them about those things. Do you know that the early, some of the early church apologists, and I'm talking all the way back to like right after the New Testament, okay? We're still in the Roman world. Some of the early church apologists were having to defend Christianity against misperceptions and ignorance because people, you just think about this, there's still like these Roman citizens, the church is kind of new, they don't know what this, these, these, these Christians gathering together, and they, they thought that these Christians were committing incest. Think about it, it's because all these people are going around calling each other brother and sister, and he's your brother, and he's your brother, and like, is everybody your brother? This is sick. Like something is wrong here. Like what, what is going on? And then it got worse because they were hearing that when these brothers and sisters got together, they were eating flesh and drinking blood. Because if you didn't know that they were just talking about taking communion and you heard that, I mean, you can just imagine the rumors that are swirling. So these Romans are looking at these Christians like, man, these people, these are freaks. we got to get rid of these people. So the, the early church apologists were having to convince the Roman world that, no, like, Christians are not a threat. We're actually the best neighbors because we love Christ and we're willing to serve others and do good. Hey, do we have some false perceptions that people might have about Jesus and and church? How many people think that that following Jesus just means a a, a list of rules of do's and don'ts and all these things that you got to follow and you got to keep this and it's basically just some works-based religion and if you're going to be a Christian then you've got to vote the party line and you can't have tattoos and you got to start talking in King James like saying blessings upon thee and switch to Christian cuss words and if a black cat walks by you got to cross yourself they don't know no but 
Who's going to tell them? Who's going to help them understand and make clarification for what God's word really does say? And it also means that we might have to defend the gospel against arguments that claim that it's not true. That the Bible's just a bunch of, you know, it's, it's, it's made up stories that, you know, the, 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 the winners who wrote the history books, they, they're the ones that came up with this stuff. And, and Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. And, and there's got to be more than one way to God or the, you know, God doesn't even exist. Listen, we must be prepared to make a defense, to give them a reason. we got to be willing to answer the tough questions, not ignore them, to give intellectual justification, to, to show them that this is not just make-believe, but that it is reasonable to believe in what God says in his word. Are you ready for that? He says, always being prepared. No, always being prepared does not mean that, that you're going to have a, a, a clear and compelling answer uh, for every single um, question or misconception or accusation that you might run into, but it does mean that you're, you're ready to share why you believe in Jesus and why the gospel gives you hope. Are you ready? Because God is calling you to defend the gospel. Not pass it off on your pastor. Not expect your small group leader to handle that. He's calling you. That you might have opportunity to explain the why. And to show someone Christ. Now, you can phone a friend if you need to. And it's okay if you get into a conversation and somebody asks you something or makes a point that you don't know. It's okay to admit that. Like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Like, we could, I need to study that more. That's actually a really good way to get into ongoing conversations with somebody. If, you're, if, you're, if they've got a question, you're like, if that's a legit question, if you really want to know the answer, let's study it together. Let's start reading the Bible together. There's some people that have written some things on that. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's find that answer. Now, some of you right now, if, if I asked you, like, are you ready? You're feeling so overwhelmed, like, okay, just breathe, all right? I want to give you just a couple of things practically that you can do because some of you might just be thinking, like, what, what, do, I, what do I do now to make sure that I'm ready? Like, I, don't, I didn't go to seminary. I don't, I don't know that much, or I, I, I didn't grow up in the church, and so I didn't have the memory verses. And I, I, Here's some practical things that you could be doing um, right now. I would encourage some of you, um, some of you really do need to be stretching yourself and getting into some theological reading and wrestling with some of these issues. But for a lot of us, we just need to get back to the basics. I'm going to give you some really practical things. None of these are going to surprise you, but here's one. Um, get into God's Word daily. Read your Bible to know God. You're not going to be ready if this just sits on your shelf till next Sunday. Get into God's Word. And then as you are getting into God's Word, can I just encourage you? Get into a small group. My heart is so burdened for this because we are serious about making disciples here at Harvest and we want you to connect. We just know that if you don't plug in, if you don't have that kind of community, if you don't have people that are encouraging you, pushing you, holding you accountable to get into God's Word and get after the mission, it's probably not going to happen. Get into a small group that's going to help you grow in this and help make sure that you're ready. And then start praying. Who, who are the people that you are praying for by name that don't know Christ yet? Start praying for that. Let God stir your heart for, for evangelism with the desire to see them come to Christ. Guess what? He might just urge you to be the one 
to be used to share the gospel with them. And then here, this is going to be a shocker here, but um, do this. Start telling people about Jesus. Just start doing it, okay? Um, maybe, maybe, maybe it starts with just inviting people to church. That's okay, but the more you do that, the more you get used to it, the more you kind of uh, understand how to go in the conversation, how to turn a conversation more to Christ. you got to get some reps in this, all right? We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. You're going to you're gonna have to learn, and, and you'll get a little bit better at this the more you do it, okay? I remember the first time that early on for me as I was trying to get in, I'm like, I know I need to do this. I want to be able to share my faith. i got to tell you, it would come out super awkward, and I was not confident in what I was saying. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to start. Like, what do I say to start the conversation? And then once I do, like, now I'm in it. Like, what do I, what do I say next? And where do I? It's okay. It's okay. God is going to use you, and he's going to start growing you in a heart for evangelism and learning how to defend the gospel. Because he says, make a defense for the hope that is in you to anyone who asks. To anyone who asks, to me that would imply, if somebody's asking you a question, that implies there's a conversation happening. You see, our lives should be so compelling that they see we're not just living for ourselves, but we're seeking to do good for other people, and we're boldly and loudly talking about our love for Jesus, and that's going to be confusing to people that are still blinded by their sin and that are still enslaved to their own selfishness. Like, I don't get that. I don't get why you're living like that. And then that gives us an opportunity to share why our lives are different. But notice, notice how we're to do this. Look at the end of the verse there, verse 15. He says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. That means we're not just trying to win an argument here. We're not just getting mad at them if they don't get it or if they start pushing back at us. And we're not getting snarky and sarcastic and, and, and throwing our little zingers in there, especially on Facebook, okay? Uh, like we, we just don't need to be doing that. Like, like uh, you know, I've noticed that, that everyone who's for abortion has already been born. Oh! Or stop, drop, and roll's not going to work in hell. <laughs> No, 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 no. Please just, just stop, stop. It's not helping. It's not helping. You don't need to be rude. You don't need to be disrespectful. Christ is actually calling us to be compelling, to be winsome. Why? Because we care and love the person that we're talking to. Do you care about the people that you are regularly interacting with that need to know Christ? And are you willing and ready to gently and lovingly defend and share the gospel with them. And I love being a part of a church that is getting after this mission. Man, I want to be a part of, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church where God is at work. Do you want that? Well, this is why we started this 100 Stories initiative, that we want to be able to tell 100 stories of lives that are transformed by his glory and then mobilized for his mission. And, and I don't know, you probably haven't checked out our 100 Stories page in a while. You need to. There's some incredible stories about how God has been at work right here in the people of our church, in our church family, how he's mobilizing us and moving us on to get after this mission together. I just want to, I was reading some of these stories and it was just encouraging my heart. We're doing this. We're growing in this. We're not, we're not there yet. 
I really am I'm burdened by this, and I hope that you are as well. I hope that your heart, it, it bothers you that we're not seeing more people come to Christ. I hope that you're praying for that. I hope that you're also encouraged and spurred on by the, the others that are saying, let's do this, let's get after this together. I think about one of the stories we have posted on there from Kathy Viriner. I love Kathy. She's in our small group, and, and she's, some of you know that she's one of the leaders at uh, the crew on George Mason campus, and uh, she's constantly just giving her life to try to share the gospel with other students. She had an opportunity this spring to go to Bogota, Colombia, um, and, they, and they were connecting with other students and trying to share the gospel, and, and her, in her story, she was trying to tell us that she had this opportunity to watch another student lead a girl to Christ while she was over there in Colombia. That's what it's all about. That's what we want to see. I think of another story, Amos Crew. You all know love and love Amos, and, and Amos had an opportunity this year to start a ministry on campus called Ratio Christi, and it's a group uh, that, that is trying to give a rational de- defense of Christianity to skeptics and, and adherents of other faiths, and so they started meeting every week on campus, and they had uh, people that were atheists and Muslims and Hindus and, and people with no religious affiliation that were coming to their meetings. And, and, and every week. And, and then they, had, uh, they were able to host a debate between a Christian apologist and another Muslim leader. And 250 people showed up. And they videotaped this thing. And, and, and it has over 100,000 views on YouTube. It's making an impact in the Muslim world across the globe. Isn't that not awesome? Praise God for God's using this. God is doing this. And then I think about just a, a, a simple story that just meant a lot to me. I was reading Katie Murphy's story. And just seeing how God has been working and growing in her a courageous obedience to just start talking to people and asking them about their beliefs. And she just said, it just got easier. I'm getting used to talking to people about this and finding that a lot of people are okay with that. They actually want to talk about those things. And then she just wanted to try to start inviting them to church. You remember back in Easter when we said, everybody bring one. Well, Katie went out and invited eight different families to come to Easter. I like, I love that. Like, get after it. It's okay. And we're not, I'm not telling you any of these stories so that will puff up their names. It's all about them. I'm saying, listen, this is celebrating what God is doing. Do you have a, do you have a story? Has God been working in your heart? Has he been mobilizing you for mission? How has Go Beyond God been using that in your life, and giving you opportunities to get out there and impact the community? You, that's a story worth telling, okay? And we want to celebrate that. Would you share that with us? Let's get on our 100 Stories page. Read what God is doing. Share with us how he's at work. We want to celebrate this and get after the mission together. Because I don't know about you, but I want to see more people giving their lives to Jesus Christ in this community. We need to be ready. We need to be ready to defend the gospel. And look what he says, verse 16. Having a, a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So here's what he's trying to say. Just be zealous for good. Strive to be holy as God is holy so that you don't make a mockery of what you're saying by what you're doing. How many times have we said this, that your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks? 
And people notice. And you can actually silence objectors with your good behavior. So we're finishing out Go Beyond. But I hope that you understand the whole point of this was to stir our hearts to want to make an impact in our community. I'm just praying that this doesn't end with a service project. This doesn't end at the end of July. But that we'll go beyond a month of service and keep serving and keep sharing the gospel and get after this mission so that we make an impact in Fairfax and in Northern Virginia for Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would spur us on, that we would be ready. And some of us feel more ready than others. And so I pray that you'd encourage us. I pray that you'd help us to know that that we all have a story to share of how you have changed our lives and what you've done. But even more than that, we want to be able to defend what the gospel, what the Bible says about you. So I pray that we would be faithful to get into your word. Pray that we'd be faithful to getting into our small group communities and encouraging one another, stirring one another up to love and to good deeds, even as the day where you return is approaching. God, there's much work that needs to be done. And we do care about this city. We care about this community. We care about the people that are hurting. We care about the people that are vulnerable. And we care about the people that are lost. And so, Lord, as we seek to do good as we seek to serve. I pray that we would be zealous for good works, but with a heart that wants to share the gospel. Lord, I'm praying that you're going to give us opportunities to share why. That you really have changed our lives and we believe that you can do that for others. Lord, we would love to see a revival in our community people that are turning to you, finding grace in the Savior. Make us more like yourself, and I pray that you'd help us to continue to go beyond serving just in this month, to love this place that you placed us. In Jesus' name, amen.